Hello everyone, and welcome back to Haunted Picture Palace! Woo! I thought we'd go for a bit of... A bit of excitement. Get the crowd going. Get the listenership pumped up. Hiya. <laughs> this is Amelia, one of your hosts. I'm Ben, the other one. Yeah. Let's do this! So, faithful listener, welcome back. Today we are looking at Topper, the 1937 film directed by Norman Z. MacLeod. Norman Z. Norman Z. MacLeod. Yeah, we're in America now. Yeah, it's, everything's American. Norman Z. MacLeod, and starring Cary Grant, just before he got famous as Cary Grant, really. Oh, interesting. Uh, he was a sort of well-regarded actor, but mm-hmm. he really sort of hit megastardom. Mm-hmm. After this, with things like bringing up baby and um, his girl Friday, and the one where he's going to get married to Catherine Hepburn, I'm going to video. Mm, no, other that that as well, but that came much later. The Philadelphia Story. The, the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Story. story. Mm. It's yeah. all about cheese. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, a favourite of mine. Uh, this one, since I was introduced to it by an American flatmate. A decade ago or so, and one that is on YouTube in a reasonable but quiet print. So if you're at yeah, all... Yeah, whack the sound up. Yes. In the spirit of you trying to make this more fun, pump up the sound system. Yeah, pump up the jam, pump it up. Yeah, so it's 1937, and it is a comedy. It is a broad comedy. I think it's probably the first... This is the first comedy we've done. Oh, good question. Uh, intentional, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I suppose there's been other films that have been yeah. funny, but this one, they play the whole thing for laughs. And we open on, weirdly not Topper, you think, you know, it's called Topper. The fellow who played Topper was nominated for an Oscar, but I think really the stars of the film are the Kirbys. Yes. Which is Constance Bennett and Cary Grant. And we open with them really irresponsibly sitting... <laughs> In their, well, going really fast in their car while Cary Grant sits on the top of his seat. Oh, yes. Driving where, with his feet. Where the headrest would be staring with his feet. Yes. Yes. 30s female voices are so fascinating to me. When... I Because I can't relate on any level. At least with the British ones, I have an idea of, like, that's the Queen's English... We're new to telly, we're new to film. Mm. Let's put the Queen's English on there because that's proper. And then occasionally you get like this kind of weird high-pitched Cockney kid so you know what poverty is. Yeah. But the American version of that, that kind of, what a lucky girl, is so... <laughs> it's all so Betty Boop because that's only really my sure. reference. Well, right? Betty and Boop is a contemporary source for Absolutely. This What's the name of the animator that's where everything moves and wiggles? and Max Fleischer, Max Fleischer is exactly where I'm going, yes. So Max Fleischer is essentially encapsulating a real vibe of the time and everything really does move. The women the women in these films, they're, when they're wearing furs, they sort of bustle deliberately <laughs> and it's just such an odd way of moving but it's... Well, I'll come back to it later because there's a couple of people in it that are clearly incredibly used to the stage and not used to film yet. Sure, well, I of mean... Of course they wouldn't be. Yeah. yeah. Um, the coming of sound 
swept away a lot of the old... There were a few actors who made the transition, but so many didn't or couldn't because their voices just didn't match their look. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the whole scene in Singing in the Rain, right? Of course, yeah, which is exactly is all about that. Yeah. For some reason, I wasn't even troubled with him driving with his feet. I was actually distracted by her right yeah fair enough well yeah my note is that it's not recommended but Cary Grant is no role model (laughs) no true (laughs) I really had a hard on for the oh sorry uh I think you can say that okay just have okay well I did I had a hard on for (laughs) the projected restaurant scene oh yeah because that's beautiful it's the exterior shot of the restaurant but they've obviously just got some stock footage that they've taken earlier in filming and the actors are nowhere near the place, but they've pulled up in front of this restaurant. I just really liked it. It was a nice... It only took a few seconds. Yeah, and it was perfectly... Yeah. Uh, worked perfectly well, you know, versus... Well, I just think they've done it worse in later films. Yeah, definitely. Well, actually, yeah, because the, the, there's a fair amount of effect shots in this film, which we'll come on to later. Yeah. And I think it's... I think it looks fine. Yeah. You know? It's not distracting. It's not... Nice, good, fun work. There's nothing that's a real howler. Again, I say, considering this is... Or in its 80s now, this film. Yikes. (laughs) Yeah. But we're going... We're on a night on the town. With the Kirbys, because they are going to the meeting at the bank in the morning. And in the car here where he's driving with his feet, Mrs Kirby is saying, well, you know, we'll go and have dinner and then we've got several hours to have a nice long sleep. (laughs) Nice long relaxing sleep so we're fresh and ready for the... In the car, yeah. For the... Well, they're they're planning to go to the flat, but things don't work out that way, you know? True, Uh, (laughs) true. And we get a fairly long sort of musical sequence in one one of the first clubs they end up in. I think just because just because we can, just for a Which, bit. Of, where are you thinking of? Are you thinking of the band, or are you thinking of them? The be- well, I say musical sequence. We get a fairly long shot of the band playing and them having a little dance. And True. There's a few things that we were meant to get from that. That we were there were a few things that we were being communicated to about mm-hmm. that I don't know if you picked up on. Go on. One is that she dances like a sex worker, <laughs> and openly, and he's cool with that. Yeah, yeah, they're very cool. Cool is a good word for these guys. Yeah. Two is that the band changed costumes three times, which is meant to show you how long they'd been there yeah. or that they'd been to different clubs. Yes. They just all had the same band. Yeah. We also had the slide thing. Oh, yes, here we go. Um, hip dancing, 30s hip dancing, so you know she's a slut. Big <laughs> sleeves, so you know they're a 30s samba band. <laughs> and now they're a hula band in this new place where you enter by slide. I love this. Well, may I say I love this? It's a health and safety nightmare. It is, but I really like the line, honey, you slide in and they carry you out. Yeah. That's life. <laughs> it uh, reminds me of a dream that I had, actually. Really? Yeah, well, there was a, <laughs> there's like a restaurant that's been in a couple of my dreams. It's yeah, the same one. that restaurant. That you, only, that you, get, you can only get to by, like, ladder. Like you, there's a ladder in the street that they put down at, like, certain times wow. when they're open. And you climb up and you crawl in through this, like, gap in mm. the wall. Not even a window, it's just like a maintenance hatch. And then you're in this really nice restaurant, but that's the only way in or out. It's come, come up in a few of my dreams. Maybe I this see. is not for the pod. <laughs> I think keep it in. <laughs> Tell me about it later. Tell me what it means We'll do, later. yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, here we go. So then, so I've moved on from there. Are you happy to move on Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's just a nice sequence of them Getting painting the town red. Getting steadily slaughtered. Exactly. Yeah. 
steadily more and more hammered. Uh, I really love the asides, and I've put here in my notes, I love these asides of piano time so you can make a record of the film, as in so that you have an <laughs> um, EP to release sure. or an LP to release yeah. afterwards. And then I found out that that is Hoagie Carmichael playing the piano with them in that scene. So oh, they have yes. a little sing-along of a song called Old Man Moon. Old Man Moon. Which later in the film, a full band is singing the same song yeah. that's supposed to be that it's contemporary at the time. But you were talking about Hoagie Carmichael afterwards. Massive star at the time. Like mm. wrote several things that became standards for decades yeah. thereafter. Yeah. Sort of mostly forgotten these days, but... Had a good run in the fame stakes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the fame stakes. But yeah, I think won a few songwriting awards. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a couple of Ivan Novello awards under his belt. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, so, the thing I wanted to say about it is that, one, it's uncredited, that appearance. Yep. But also, it's his song, I think, Old Man Moon. That would make sense. And the people that sing it later are called Three Hits and a Miss, That's which lovely, is such isn't it? a great so name. Good. It's Carmichael's screen debut. And as the couple leave the bar, he says, so long, see you next time, because he was mm-hmm. supposed to be getting famous. You know, that was, it sure, was yeah, they were a, building him up. And it is exactly that kind of cameo at that yeah. right point in the film that you put like an emerging star yeah totally but what I, one of the things i mean i love a lot about that scene the way they're they're acting yes the, the pair of them they're sort of drunk acting is just is joyous and fun but they say to the the manager who's just trying to get them to leave desperately and they said you know just one more chorus and he says you've been trying that for the last hour which is nice which just implies that they've been standing around this piano with hoagie carmichael yeah. singing old my moon for a solid hour well <laughs> Also, the uh, very racist Italian restaurant owner, you guessed it, he's called Tony. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's perfect. Is it racist if it's against the Italians? Well. I did say she acts like she's never had a drink in her life, so I wasn't very impressed with her in this scene. Um, I like her a lot later. Yeah. But in the beginning, I was like, this is not a drunk person. This is someone who's been told, be a slut, in 1937. (laughs) So... Where is it? I'm wasted. It's the perfect time to drive home. That's not a quote. That's just that's just her attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are several things in this film which I do not. Re- you know, some like some films are some thirties films are a real sort of racist, sexist horror nightmare. Like not in the way that they are intended. No, absolutely. Whereas um, there's nothing that we needed to content one in this one. Oh, maybe there should have been. But yes, no, not really. Not by the standards, but. Nobody in the 30s can apparently drive. No. And, like, the please don't take life... Well, I suppose, you know, I say please don't take life tips from the Kirbys. Although... You can if you're extremely wealthy. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the point of the film. We'll come back to that. Yeah. But don't take driving tips from the Kirbys. No. Goodness me. I did notice something, though. Hmm. Hey, hey, hey is the US version of hello, hello, hello when a policeman <laughs> comes up. Did you notice? No, I didn't. Hey, hey, hey. He goes every every time he's about to talk to them. And yeah. it is very much hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, what's all this then? Exactly. Yeah. But that's when he catches them in the car. Yeah. Uh, and they are having a nap time before they make it back to the make it back to the place. Yeah, because it, it turns out they are major shareholders in the bank that Mr. Topper works in. We've never yes. met to meet Mr. Mr. Topper. We've met to meet the title character being absolutely tyrannised by his own butler. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the car before that? I'd love to talk about the car. I did not recognise uh, the car. No. For and a then number felt of reasons. awful about it. I did. I did. <laughs> well, it was built 
by the Boehm and Schwartz Company. They used a Buick Roadmaster chassis, you'll be thrilled to hear, from 1936. They had tried to use a coffin nose cord. Do you know what that is? I don't. I'm not so good on American cars. It wasn't very big. So they had to they had to customise it. And then, the bit that I like, mm-hmm. is that Gilmore Oil used it as their promo car all around the country. <laughs> right. And toured it. And it was updated much later. And then driven in other films yeah. right yeah. yeah i mean it's it is a monster it is important yeah. to say like it's a proper beast of a thing it looks like it's from wacky races yeah 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 exactly yeah but yes the reason i didn't recognize it is because it's custom because it's, it's not real built yeah for the film it's not real <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not real yeah. yeah and i said the weirdest gratuitous nudity to scene i've ever encountered is we are introduced to mr topper as naked as the day is long and in film speak that is him at his most vulnerable yes. we only ever really see women in that position yeah that's yeah yeah. It's not technically true. I mean, obviously, later we have lots of films where lots of men are very wet because they found out women have opinions and thoughts too. But sure. mostly we see this kind of vulnerability used as a tool to show how petite and cute women are. I mean, we'll see this later on even when Mrs. Kirby is invisible, right? Spoilers. Mm. But we'll come back to that. Yeah, it's true. But Topper, here he is. As you say, yes, terrorised by the butler. She, uh, Mrs. Topper is a problem. I did write, she looks like a China doll and sounds like the older sister from Alice in Wonderland. Wow, that's so true. Oh. Alice. That's, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah. Will you concentrate on your lessons? <laughs> yeah. Yes, and, and, and has a similar plot function of like, don't have fun. <laughs> no fun for you, Cosmo. <laughs> That's just my note. So, Topper is not allowed any fun. I've just written no. down this. <laughs> no, and I did wonder if we're witnessing another queer character that is absolutely illegal at this point in Butler. Oh, the Butler. Yeah, mm. well, he's. I saw him as the. I feel like he's weirdly miscast the actor. Definitely. Here. Definitely. Not that he does a bad job, no. you know, but. but, but there's there's a character very like this in a couple of the Fred Astaire Ginger Roger musicals of this sort of yes. supremely confident head manservant yeah. character who is just sort of suave and collected and together. It's the Jeeves and Worcester dynamic. Well, it's the it's the guy from yes, true, but it's also from Tamlin. Oh, indeed, yes, the, you know? the confidential the private queen. secretary. Yes, exactly. Yes. It really feels like. It's a role that you should relish, and I don't think this guy relished it on any level. I no. feel like Stephen Fry would have been a shoe in. Marvellous, you know, yes. Or yeah. even, I would say, somebody like... I think Victor... So weird. Victor Meldrew? Oh, Richard Wilson. Yes, Richard Wilson would have been great. Just shuffling around. Too old to do the job. You know, yeah. you, you had to be at one end of the scale or the other, mm-hmm. and he was right in between and not doing it very well. Yes. Almost um, to the point where he looked in love with Mrs. Topper. Yeah, and... It's not quite right. Mm-hmm. It's the wrong. And again, they say it's it's not a bad performance. It's just not the right performance for what, especially in the in this kind of film, where you've got <laughs> several other characters and several other people giving it full, full power. You know, you can be a little bit more camp. You can be a little bit more mm. just out there with it. It's Alan Mowbray, I think, is the actor as the butler there. Um, just to credit him. Nice. It. Yeah. They haven't. Um, sorry, spoilers that you'll have to edit later. They haven't crashed yet, have they? No. Okay. Good. No, because they they go to the they do make it to the meeting and of course they touch 
top of his life a little bit. Oh, we'll come on to that yes. in a minute, because yes, of course, Mr. Kirby is on the board of a big bank. Uh, <laughs> yes. I have already, in my notes, tried to recast some people. Mm-hmm. I said Mr. Topper would have been amazing played by Christoph Waltz, but should be played in a remake by Stanley Tucci. Oh, yes, because uh, yes. what I was going to say about with Christoph Waltz is I think you, you need to be able to be more sort of milk toast and henpecked than yeah. than Waltz really. It's important that Topper's not really, he's not, he's not a handsome fellow. No. But and he's he not, is... he's not repulsive. He's just a bit sort of yeah. nondescript. Well, I feel like Bruce Willis in Death Becomes Her oh, yes. has absolutely watched or been directed by somebody who's seen Topper <laughs> a thousand times. He's got the little moustache. He's got this kind of being desired by beautiful women, but with absolutely no reason. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. really a shrewd, frightened little man henpecked by a powerful female. So it, and if you haven't seen Death Becomes Her, it is worth a watch wholeheartedly. Just to, if, if nothing else, than to see three, four mega icons in the acting world doing something camp as Christmas and f- clearly for fun, but actually giving it 110%. Oh. Yeah. I haven't seen it, so... Um, oh, wow, okay. Join yeah, us. Sounds, yeah, we'll yeah, watch well, it. Well, we might, we say, might... It might make its way onto the pod at some point. You never know. <laughs> it might too, yeah. It's pretty haunted. Oh, Mr. Kirby. Rich and dumb. <laughs> he's in the meeting, he turns up late, he's charismatic and irritating. <laughs> yeah, because they've fallen asleep in their car outside the bank. They have. Sort of 6am or something. Yeah, and I put, Carrie's a baby here, Carrie Grant. He looks exactly the same as he does in Charade, but he's still an absolute tiny baby. Yeah. So he just didn't bother ageing, he just felt like he might get, I don't know, taller <laughs> and then carry on. Maybe more orange as colour came in. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so this is the start of like Carrie Grant as film icon if you'd like it's mm-hmm. this 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 year is when he sort of really starts to blow up and you can see aspects of what you think of as like the Cary Grant performance yeah you know and again even much later in things like Charade and North by Northwest yeah there's elements of that coming through here yes I think but one thing I want to say about that scene in the meeting about the yes. bank is that this bank is extraordinarily flush um, yeah. Top was talking about $37 million at oh, one point. Yeah. He says they've got a billion in, depo- in deposits. And in 1937, that's Exactly. Ludicrous. I mean, that's big money now. But like, yeah. So one assumes, given that I think Mr. Kirby is a major shareholder, possibly the biggest shareholder, I can't remember the Kirby's, but that's why the Kirby's are there. Yeah. They must be absolutely rolling in it. Yeah. The 30s walk of shame from, I put lol, 30s walk of shame, from Mrs. Kirby who turns up still in her furs and lets herself into his private office. Yeah. <laughs> Why have you called it a walk of shame? Because it's the walk of shame as in the, the oh, thing you do. still from the night before. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I said it's the 30s walk of shame where yeah. she looks absolutely fine, but someone's, everyone's like, oh, evening yes. clothes in yeah. the day. Yeah. And also she's just <laughs> waltzing around like she owns the place and it's very yeah. much, a, the bank seems very much built on deference. Yes. And Mr. Tupper is not an interesting fellow fair to say or yeah. at least not outwardly i'm sure he has a soul of a poet i think mean, he does <laughs> so i don't think mr kirby is actually humming or singing at any point doesn't match him ah. and the sound quality is different so right, i wonder yeah, if they've so dubbed that of, in bit of ADR. yeah what does that stand for 
additional dialogue replacement or looping as it was back then back nice. in the day but bit yes, of dub you've been, been put in good good spot mm. but mrs kirby is showing more than an ankle to <laughs> topper yeah and mr topper envies all of them yes He's completely out of his depth when he's in the office with her, you know, because she's just lounging on the sofa like she owns the place, as yeah. you say, with her legs out. And uh, is is he? Yes. I thought she was in his chair. Yeah, she goes to his chair, but when mm. he when he walks in the room, she's in the she's on the sofa because he doesn't notice her, ah. and he's moaning about Mister Kirby and how fatuous and silly he is and how much he kept derailing the meeting. And mm. well, he said in the meeting, mm-hmm. Kirby said. Nope, I can't do it. I can't write my name backwards and upside down. Yep. Oh, yeah, I can. Yeah, you had to go. Yeah, yes. and I did it immediately. <laughs> but I'm a freak. <laughs> but yeah, he says it just... He says, oh, no, it can't be done. Just after Mr. Tupper asks everybody on the board to sign off on the yearly report. Yeah. Annoying. And he knows exactly what he's doing. And what he's doing is winding Tupper up like nobody's business. <laughs> but, but equally, Tupper is... Putty, well, there we go. Like putty in her hands is what I'm trying to say. Yes. As soon as Mrs. Topper gets her claws into him, he is no match for her. No. We then cut back to Mrs. Topper, and she's one of the people. It's uh, she's played by Billy Burke, who, by the way, is Glinda the Good Witch in Wizard of Oz. Indeed, she is beautiful. And I thought I recognised her face, but Ben informed me afterwards that that's who she is. She is fully theatre acting. She's one of the people I would pick as being doing the theatre stuff and not being so good at the TV switcheroo. Yes, although I think it does suit her character as well, because she's very staid and proper and old-fashioned. I suppose. And, so, mm. and especially when she's like against... The Kirby's, you know, and their sort of much more modern style of, of acting, I suppose she does look more... Old fashioned. I just feel like she's an Oscar Wilde woman. She's an Oscar Wilde <laughs> yeah. written woman. Yeah. Sort of out of place with the rest of the film, but I quite liked her. She's my favourite character, I think. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because she's, she's real, awful. She's a real killjoy. Yeah. yeah, she's truly awful, but she does it really nicely, and especially later. <sighs> Smelling her hanky, eh? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Dirty well, it, boy. Yes, yes, it is. But, like, it's it's nicely and again all of our scenes with Topper so far you can see like sparks of a personality trying to get out from under his incredibly boring life mm-hmm. and you can see that even though he is so exasperated with the Kirby's he's also very much enticed by them. Yeah, well they they represent youth even though to me they both look like they've easily hit their forties. People <laughs> age differently then. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they're these young wealthy things that know how to play it and. And Mrs. Kirby is sexy and, you know, as you say, had her legs out and dropped her hanky, which he just sniffs like nobody's business. But then they used to put perfume on their hankies. Yeah. It'll smell like her. Mm. (laughs) And my note at the end of this is just the Kirby's decide to f*** up Topper's life for his own good. You know, Mrs. Kirby's like, oh, I could could make such a mess. I could make such a mess of this. It would be marvellous fun. He would love it. (laughs) And then... We have some chaotic driving. Yep. And crash, crash, a crash. Yeah. Not much to say about it, really. It's a crash. Yeah. We go through the kind of fence bit and we wake up dead. And the note is, 
you know something, George? I think we're dead, which is very Beetlejuice. There's a lot of Beetlejuice in this. Lots and lots and lots. This kind of chaotic but compatible couple. Their decision to do good. Lots of different bits and pieces that are very much that way. The dancing at one point is very Beetlejuice. I haven't seen Beetlejuice. Oh, I know. Why don't we have the same influences at all? (laughs) I know it makes for a very, like, rich and cultured bloody life but it's frustrating i said i do like their love they feel very uh, sid and nancy of the 30s wow. but without being vicious or heroin addicts terrible children yeah, yeah. but they're they, they're made for each other yeah i know two, it's clearly. really sweet yeah and then i said morality tale question mark question mark so hayes code where are we with it nowhere near yes hayes code is in force now came in okay. in 33 so um, they had to be killed by their terrible crime of having fun and drinking well i mean i don't i don't think it was quite that strict i mean they are married to each other and she doesn't do anything terribly bad but there are points later on where i feel like her not being corporeal is a big help for the the Hays code (laughs) compliance but they certainly the whole thing is done with a nod and a wink to the censors i think you know and and seeing what they can get away with ah okay what they could show and what they can do. Mm-hmm. I said as well, stuck because money can't get them out of this one. Exactly. Yeah. The the, the morality of this is really interesting. Yeah. I think because they they take death. My note on this is they take death with the same equanimity that they face everything else in life. Although they do really love each other, which is really nice. But the the fact that they realise when they're sitting on the log mm. that they haven't done any good deeds or any bad deeds either. <laughs> yeah. True chaotic neutral. Yes. But what that says about them morally is that the the, the, the idle rich and they haven't they just haven't yes. done anything yeah. apart from give they've themselves existed. to pleasure. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They've existed and they've made a couple of bellboys angry. <laughs> yeah. I think it should also be noted here the special effect of them becoming dead is oh, them yes. getting up outside of their bodies, which we take for granted, but it's hard to do in 1937. Yeah, and, and it's possibly taken from the Phantom Carriage. I thought so, yes. But probably not. It might it might predate that, but certainly it'll be mm. the same kind of technique. It'll be a double exposure. Yes. It'll be done with optical printing at this point. So in, in the 20s, they had to rewind the film and shoot it over the yeah. same bit of film again. Here, there'll be two bits of film printed together. Ah, okay, that but makes it's sense. The, but it's very much the same yes. thing. I This is the part of the film where I realised that Topper's first name is Cosmo and was extremely struck with this, if anyone's seen Fairly Odd Parents. Listener, please assist. These are things that people have seen, right? It's not, <laughs> it's not just me. Well, you're 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 a young person. Not anymore. Younger well, than you, I younger suppose. Younger than me. So, Cosmo Topper, hilarious. I put Mrs. Topper hurts my genitals, and a man wrote her. One hundred percent, a man wrote her. This is sexist writing in its purest form, which is not necessarily why I said it's like an Oscar Wilde character because he would often write women quite in a quite an interesting and fascinating way, yeah, but, but she- as an enemy. Yeah, I guess she's 100%. a grotesque as well, you know, in, yes. a, in a in a way that some of the women in Wild are as well. Yes. She's written by a man in the way... It's so interesting to see because obviously this is written by a man. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Men wrote everything at this point. <laughs> Not everything, but they did write this. <laughs> most things. Most things in film were written by men at yeah, this time. Yeah, that's true. 
Can you name a film written by a woman in nineteen thirties? No, I can't. That's a bugger, isn't it? Yeah. We should look at that. But the two main women that we have in the whole film, you have the two mothers. You have the good mother and the bad mother <laughs> in a psychological yes. context, right? Unfortunately, the good mother is also like an alcoholic hoebag by the standards <laughs> of the day. Yes. So there's really no moral thing when you have the one who's meant to be moral being such a dragon, such a nag. And she'll use her emotions. That's why I said she makes my genitals hurt. She will use her emotions to control Topper, knowing that he'll drop everything if she does the little weird weepy thing into the corner of a hanky. Yeah. But none of it's real. And we know none of it's real. Her her anxiety, her social anxiety is real, I think. Oh, the not being able to be of higher status? Yeah. Not being invited to... Pa- yes, but is it? Is it? I think so, but I'm I'm willing to take testimony. I suppose she does cry about it, it when he's not around. Um, I think she is just obsessed with social status and the done thing, the proper thing, and the way to do things, which is really like the antithesis of the Kirby's who just clearly don't give a damn <laughs> about yes. anything. Which is why, which is one of the many reasons why Mister Tuffer finds them so attractive, but right? also why they're accepted into every circle because they don't care. Yeah, exactly. They yeah, invite yeah. themselves. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, oh yes, I also put lol Lake Flaccid, which was, I realised was Lake Placid, but I definitely heard it wrong. <laughs> Seems more likely, yes. Why have I put great stunt work here? So cute. Oh yes, well, go Mr. for it, Cosmo, because he disappears with the car. Yeah, because Mr. 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 Topper is sad at the passing of yes. this spark of anarchy that came into his life mm. and now they're both dead he's very very sad he, he's paid for their car to be repaired and he yes. wants to sell it and um yeah he's he's sort of goaded into it uh, partly from the influence of the kirby's i think you know that he's spent time with them well sort of but mostly it's the car salesman saying this isn't really a car for you yeah or your sort and him going like Blimmin' well is. Why shouldn't it be? I, I could, if I wanted a car like this, I would just jolly well, I would just jolly well buy it. I would, yes. I, even if my wife didn't like it, he doesn't like being seen as under the thumb of his wife as much as he very clearly is. Yes, true. Oh, that's what I meant. It's the ghost tyre change. Yeah, because he crashes the car in the same of place that they crashed it. Of course he does. Because he can't drive. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's, it's a hell of a thing. You know, yeah. It, the, the salesman's right, this isn't a car for Mr. Topper. Topper, no. Ghost tire change uh, done with things on strings and yeah. puppeted and very lovely. It's really nice. So that just to be clear, the ghosts are invisible at that point. They well, can use. Yeah. They have a certain amount of ectoplasm, and they can use that to become visible, which Mrs. Kirby does to make Mister Topper feel more comfortable. Yeah. Very Beetlejuice again, by the way. Right. The, the vibe of this scene, and. It freaks him out, but he's quite inter- it's quite interesting, his response. Of course it freaks response. him out. Like, <laughs> he's been through the mill a little bit by he this has. point. It's he It's going to get worse for him, of course. <laughs> oh, that dog, he's smiling. Oh, yes, because there's workmen watching. Yes, because uh, he's having a chat with Mrs. Kev. But th- this is the first, I think, in a se- series of gags where somebody writing the film or making the film has realised that it's funny to watch like comedy characters yeah. like interact with the ghosts in yes. some way. 
and yes, ghosts ghosts can interact with the physical world just just fine. They can drive the car, you can pick up the thing, but they say often they're invisible. Yeah. So yeah, so we see Mister Kirby changing the wheel on the car because he's hit the hit the same tree, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and Mister Topper is talking to an invisible Mrs. Kirby. It all looks really rather strange to a couple of travelling hobos. Yes. And their lovely by. dog, who has an actual human smile. And their lovely dog, yes. There was a moment here, so I will say, spoiler alert, I didn't particularly like this film. This has been the first one of Ben's Recommends where I've actually not connected with it at all. I think it's because it's so inoffensive. <laughs> Does that make sense? I think so, but could you, for the benefit of people yeah, who don't of know course. you so well, could you... <laughs> I need it to either be... You know, there are certain things that I look for in film, particularly in haunted films, that we're doing the podcast about. Sure. One of them is obviously costuming. This film didn't give two figs about what everyone was wearing. There was one moment of fur and everything else is just whatever we had around. It's probably the actor's own costumes. It's not a big budget flick. Yeah. And it's not the focus, you know. No, exactly. not important to them, I guess. One of them is... Um, interestingly written characters that are completely wild and out there but this film really does rely on like steady tropes that exist and nobody's breaking any barriers with it one of them is that it's scary no <laughs> <laughs> one of them is that it's got good special effects which i will say they're cute they're charming as yes. it is not it is the 30s you know exactly I mean, they're perfectly adequate but, but you they're can't not. say that when we saw Phantom Carriage. No, that's true. You know, it's that, that's a, it's really not an excuse. You know, and yeah. Nosferatu and all the other things that do yeah. really interesting stuff. And I know it's a comedy. And I know comedy horrors. We've all seen Scary Movie, except Ben, who probably hasn't. <laughs> Have I you? haven't. No, I haven't <laughs> seen it. <laughs> yeah. But things like Scary Movie or a film Ben has seen like noddy don't (laughs) (laughs) they go for the comedy over the effects i think one of the things that made scary movie the success that it was was the budget behind it so they really tried to do the effects but they're deliberately a bit cack so that you know it's not the real film you know there, there has to be a difference when you're doing a spoof yeah of course and this doesn't even quite have that because it's the thirties and those films didn't exist in the first place to spoof. Yeah, that's the thing. It's 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 not a horror film. No. Like it like it definitely qualifies as haunted. It's got ghosts in it. We didn't but need like, it to be horror, yes. But we are in the era of the horror film, right? The universal franchise is, is well has has is well underway and is into sequels now. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've we've covered Dracula on the pod mm-hmm. because of Frankenstein. Wolfman, all these things. This is a genre of f- cinema that exists, but they didn't tend to do ghosts. No. The ghosts were almost exclusively... I mean, there are, of course, exceptions. We've covered... Casper, was, I believe Casper was around at this point as well, the friendly. Sure, but again, it's not a... It's not a horror character. No, no, exactly. Ghosts tend to be in comedy at this point until really much later on. You yeah. know, we start... It's really sort of... Or things like Dickens. The, Adaptations, adaptations, Dickens, Shakespeare. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I suppose there's a ghost in Hamlet and everything. Mm-hmm. But but again, these are not horror films. No, no. It's really sort of you have to get to things like The Haunting before you start to get like serious Hollywood attempts to deal with the spirits of the dead. 
Um, Apart from Phantom Carriage. Yeah, but that's not um, uh, uh, Hollywood I'm going for. Oh, here, sorry, it? yes, yes. Yeah, of course there are exceptions. No, you're right, because... And they're often in European or Asian. But horror was a joke not because it was funny. Horror was a joke because it was cheesy and dumb and yeah, all the rest of it yeah, from I mean, the off. This is still a problem, right? Mm. This is, even today, people look down on horror films as not being proper cinema in some way. It's true. But the reason I brought it up was not just to be a negative Nelly in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> no, it was because I was surprised that a little bit of it actually made me laugh out loud. And given that people have probably been laughing out loud at that one bit since the 30s, that's quite touching. It's quite a sweet... Thing, it's always it, nice when it still works, isn't it? Exactly, and it was... <laughs> maybe laugh again. It's something that I would probably do, but blame, blaming the bellboy for pushing Topper. Right. Top, topper being pushed by ghosts. Or, no, sorry, a person being pushed by the ghosts and the bellboy getting the blame for some reason just <laughs> made me laugh. Yeah. It tickled me a little bit, because I think it's the bellboy's reaction of just jumping like what you know there's some nice bits of physical comedy yeah yeah Yeah. yes it's the 30s alcohol will cure what ails you (laughs) i don't know why but i've put oh good he hasn't beaten her (laughs) they talk about beating their wives yes why does that happen because he's never struck her in his life, Clearly. I think. It's yeah, meant yeah, to be... Yeah. He's, he's saying things he thinks men want to hear. Yes, exactly. He's trying to show off. What a dumbass. But of course, Mr. Kirby has also never raised his They're hand to... far too woke. Of course. And can you imagine? She'd rip his penis off. Yeah. yeah. If he did that. Yeah. But uh, but yes, the, uh, having recovered his equanimity, if you'd like... Oh, I should say, uh, important plot point, I suppose. They're getting him wasted. Well, yes, but no, they decide, they realise that they haven't done anything good or anything oh, bad. So, yes. they, so they decide that in order to get to the hereafter, yes, they, they have to do a good yeah. deed. And they thought, well, they were talking about you know doing something with Mr Topper before their unfortunate demise. Mm. So if they can help Topper in some way, yes. that will be their good deed that will get them into heaven. Yes. So yes. to that end, they take him to a hotel and decide to get him roaring drunk. So he can have a chance at fun. Exactly, yes, which is is important. And I suppose is, you know, something we'll talk about later, but is, what is the message of the film? And uh, the part of it is um, irresponsible anarchy is good, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the first part of this is to take him to a hotel and get him roaring drink where he just wants to dance. He just... So cute. Yeah. Mrs Kirby does overhear the bellboy... Oh, say course, some yeah, nasty go, things about right, them. Right, because they go to their old flat, they do. of course. There's a very interesting dog sculpture on the counter that I think <laughs> I should own, and I don't know why I don't. But, but, yes, the bellboy says, you know, those Kirby's, blah, 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 because he's a poo. <laughs> and there must have been a nightmare. <laughs> I guess, yeah. All hours, they'd be making loads of noise all the yes. time. Well, they do, he does go through some of their crimes, you yeah. know, um, gossiping like he shouldn't be, and Mrs. Kirby in Ghost invisible ghost form just goes and hits him yeah. which is quite fun as well yeah i put i would too i did really like the little dance it's like getting someone high for the first time yeah it's really adorable um, i just said he has so live a poet probably is my note there <laughs> also the business with mrs kirby being high up on that thing oh yeah and then just leaping down yeah what Oh, and then she, of course, lands on, on top of Topper yes. and, and they have a little bit of haze code skirting argy-bargy. <laughs> but I think things like this and things later on 
by this point, of course, Mrs. Kirby's not real. She doesn't have a body. She doesn't exist. Yes. She, you know, she's a, um, and I feel like they can get away with this slightly more things than if she were a flesh and blood woman yes, I think in so the too. film. Yes, but, I think um, so. It's, I've, I really enjoy Mr. Kirby's line of hold down the fort, honey, while I dissolve into a suit. They've <laughs> taken to being dead extremely well. <laughs> I do love Topper's drunken crumple. They're trying to get him to some sort of meeting or some sort of place that he's supposed to be. Where's yes, he supposed I can't to be? Remember and it doesn't matter, does no, it? No, they're just they've they're invisible and they've got him by an arm each, but obviously this is just the actor on his own just sinking to his knees now it's and a then. Great bit of it's work. wonderful, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really good body comedy. For heaven's sake, what's the matter with that man? Is what someone <laughs> says in the restaurant. Why doesn't he fall? Why doesn't he fall? <laughs> they get into a fight. They do. They <laughs> somehow may have managed to create a street brawl. And yeah, and, and with absolute glee, Mrs. Kirby has a go at, uh, <laughs> at, at some of the street toughs. Yes. You know? Oh, sorry. Yes, it's Miss. It's Mr. Topper starting the fight. Yeah, because he's drunk. Because somebody makes a comment about Mrs. Kirby. Oh, yes. Yes, and he just goes to absolute town. And, yes, as I say, she's in full fur with a brolly, just beating everybody. And then she disappears. <laughs> yeah, which is handy. Yeah. Well, this is where the most exasperated cop turns up, isn't it? He's wonderful. Yeah. He's really good. He's <laughs> another one where I'd say he's made for theatre rather than film, but he yeah, does but well. Yeah, but it works, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you the know, shouting. Everything is very artificial, it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. Then we're in front of the judge and being having our dress dress sense corrected by ghost Mrs. Kirby, which was really good as well in front of the judge's face. Yes, yeah. He's reacting to tr- you know to sort of smooth down his own hair but not quite in time. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody everybody in the court is talking like a 30s gangster in the films, you know. Mm. I don't think anybody quite says like screwy dames, but it's very much like the, the, in the Damon Runyon yeah. argot. A hundred pound fine for his crimes. Yeah, but uh, they describe the woman as a burlesque dame, so you weren't far off. They describe Mrs. Kirby as a burlesque, burlesque dame. Burlesque dame, yeah, yes, yes, because because the Kirby's have disappeared. The copper and everybody is are incredulous yes. that like this gang of hoodlums were roundly thrashed by this sort of mild-mannered, <laughs> drunken yeah. banker, not in the first flush of youth, I think it's fair to say. Yes. I have written this whole thing. I think this is the manipulative moment from Mrs. Topper when Mr. Topper is home and concerned that <laughs> she's already seen the paper. Because it's yeah, front-page news. Of course, and it's the, the dry butler that delivers this. Yeah. Saying, oh, she's read it, you know. <laughs> Yes, has she heard? She has seen. And then holds the <laughs> yes. the photograph of him in the dock. Yes. yes. And I put here, this would all have been incredible if Noel Coward wrote it. Yeah. Next level would have blown minds, would have been a lot more, even more famous than it is. Because I do feel like Topper has a big following in America. I think so, but it's not very well known over no, here. No, it's not. It's not. But it, it, I've heard it referenced before. Like, it's it's one that people sort of say, you know, like... Topper or like, right. um, don't topper me, you know. In in sort of, I would say it's kind of Fraser level. Okay, yeah, comedy fair reference. Enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, was, there were a couple of books. It was based off Thornsmith throughout the books, and I think they were very popular at the time. And again, uh, more it's so in America than here. Jeeves uh, and Worcester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, 30s women are bored but well-dressed. <laughs> I do really love the secretary wink. So everybody's treating him a bit oh, differently. Yeah, Topper walks through the office and everyone's like, hey, 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 suddenly you're interesting. <laughs> Never knew you had it in you, old yeah, chunk. Yeah, exactly. And all of this is happening. And I said, you know, what if this is just Topper's psychotic break after the death of his idols? Yeah. And then <laughs> I just got so distracted. I think I wrote it three or four times. A chocolate soda. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it sounds Fizzy horrible. chocolate. Yeah, disgusting. But somehow I didn't question it. It was just... Because <laughs> I don't know what a chocolate soda is, but it feels like exactly the sort of thing that Mrs. Kirby should want. Ugh. But yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought about that. Horrible. Disgusting. I want to try it. Well... I'm not putting it through a soda stream, though. It would just <laughs> destroy it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Also, don't they fund crime? They have a factory on like the West Bank, I think. Mm. So yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, not spawn. Yeah, because Mrs. Topper is convinced that this is social death for them, and that no one yes. will ever speak to them. And she seems genuinely upset by this. As I say, how genuine this is, yes, is up for debate, as we've said. But it turns out that the secret to acceptance in high society is to a street brawl with a, with a mysterious blonde who disappears. Yeah. And that suddenly makes you fascinating and everybody wants to know you. Yes. In the meanwhile, Invisible Woman is yeah. off touching pants in a yeah. knicker store and embarrassing <laughs> Topper so much that, and in his own words, I ran away. <laughs> Poor fellow. <laughs> well, yeah, she's not only touching knickers because I feel like the implication is she's trying, she's trying on. on. Yeah. And, and so she's nude, but she's also invisible. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Which is heaven. Weirdly titillating, you yes. know, for the audience. Yes, um, true. Because, yes. <laughs> only a fallen woman would wear these huge silky pants. <laughs> oh, yeah, because again, in a sort of real moment of sort of broad farce, it doesn't usually go there with the sort of no. bedroom Aldridge farce of the idea of like people's trousers falling down and this kind of business. You don't go for that very no. much. But but the one here is when he gets home after trying to apologise to her to Mrs. Topper about yes. the brawl and stuff, and he just drops this <laughs> these the pants s- that he, silky knickers that he's stolen in a panic, in a complete panic to get away and to stop her from holding them. You know, he just whips them away. But yes, uh, th- these are clearly the pants of a fallen, fallen woman. woman. Is this gay butler or butler that wants the lady of the house? So fine, I was asking that question again. Mrs. Kirby fillets an ice cream. (laughs) She's filth. Yes. Uh, Room 314. Is that significant? I don't think it's the room in The Shining or anything. That's what I was just going to check. Maybe it is. Well, apparently Room 314 is a 2006 adaptation slash drama about five couples in different stages of their relationships telling each other what they really want out of the relationship, which sounds bums. Terrifying. And has, yeah, true horror and has 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. So the more you know... If it's relating to this, I will eat my hat. I don't think Room 314 is, is significant in this case. Then, no, though. fair enough. But why have I written that? Weeping but still sees Cary Grant is handsome. Yeah, so Mrs... I will say that oh, yeah. Mrs. Topper is weeping and right. Mr. Kirby goes round to ask, have you seen my wife? Uh, <laughs> which is an important question. And, you know, she's weeping and doing irritating stuff, but can still see that Cary Grant is a handsome human being. Yeah. But, I mean, he really lays it on thick here that, like, Mr. Topper is 
having an affair, right? Yes. This is what he just about says. And, in, and meanwhile, he's holed up in a hotel with the invisible Mrs. Kirby. And yes. this is where I've said, can't be against the Hays Code if she's dead. No, exactly. Uh, <laughs> no, dead right. So, you know, they, they, they've just, they, I feel like they've sneaked this through on a technicality because if Marion was alive, yeah. there's no way that they would, uh, that the, the, the Hays Code, the censorship office, I have, yeah. would have said, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> I have put that Mrs. Kirby is very beautiful. She is a gorgeous human. Mm. She. This is, I think, the shower scene. Yeah, it will be. Yeah, because he's not. He doesn't know if she's. He thinks he's not trying to go on holiday with her. He just is driven from his house and home. He doesn't know who he is or what he's doing anymore. <laughs> the poor fellow. <laughs> yeah, and then for the duration of an entire scene in which a bellboy <laughs> accuses him of staying with somebody else in the room to the hotel manager. Topper clutches a ceramic bird, and I, I have no idea why. It must be nerves. Oh yeah, he's just gripping this big ceramic swan thing. Yeah, it might be a flamingo. I think it is a flamingo. Yeah, I think it is just. It just adds <laughs> a little bit of because it makes it more ridiculous that he's dining on his own like this. I think. Yes. You know? And it's a nice little bit of visual comedy. But you're right. It's she's in the shower. We shouldn't skip over this. No. And it's again. It's like oh, she's. Nude, with water again. touching her body. Her body, exactly. Her naked, wet body. But like, <laughs> look, I didn't. I don't make these things up. But it, it's more like weird titillation because she's completely invisible. Yeah. But we're just the audience is well, continually reminded again that she's not wearing any clothes. Exactly. And then of course she becomes visible and she's fully dressed and that's yeah. that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely done on purpose and it's there to titillate. Yeah. I do like the cut of her dress here. There's a kind of cape dress situation happening that's quite nice. She did make me want to drink a pink lady, but then I looked up what that was in that and put, uh, no tar. What is in a pink lady? A pink lady is egg white as the first ingredient. Right. Gin, grenadine and cherry. Mm. No. Well, it was very popular. Maybe there was something in it. Well, I know what was in it. There was egg white, gin, grenadine and cherry. I right? did, yeah. I did like the strange little ceramic glasses they had, though. Yeah, they were well, satisfying. Well, the, the set design is very sort of opulent. These everybody, all the characters we meet have got like just pots and pots and pots of money. Yes. Um, so it could look like this is proper sort of escapist cinema. What's the chair trouble? The top is being followed around by a chair. Oh yeah. You can't get away from it. <laughs> In the hotel lobby. Yeah, they're yeah. Really, yeah, so, yeah, in their quest for a good deed, the Kirby's ruin a perfectly good hotel. Because, <laughs> yes, you said the bell, a bellboy. It's not just a bellboy. It's the same bellboy that Mrs. Kirby decked. Yes. Who got fired from his previous job for... Um, being his, weird. For being weird, yeah. But <laughs> for being weird because he got hit by a ghost. Yeah, exactly. He was being tormented by non-corporeal forms. And I put till death do they part, I guess. As in the Kirby's. But actually, they make up immediately. Basically, it's like, you having an affair with this guy? And her going, no. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, he's just a little bit jealous, I think, of the attention that his lovely wife is getting. Yeah. Then they make a dog fly, and I I loved it so much. What a gorgeous creature. It's a big sort of shepherd, you know, an old English shepherd, that they just haul into the air. Yeah, it's really unexpected and And really quite nicely done. And it's thrown by an invisible man, so they must have had a kind of harness. 
I think that's why they picked something that was so shaggy of fur, yes, right? So that you could hide, hide it. something to, to pull it up with, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, I mean, the the effects work, as I say, is, is quite quite well done considering. I mean, it's all ropes and you know, things, but it's not it's not that clunky. You mm. know, they're, they're do, they do a nice job. And the actors sell it as well. I say the scene where he's being chased, where yeah. Mr. Topper is being chased across the lobby by the chair. <laughs> it's great. And, and sort of awkwardly trying to apologise to all the people as he goes by, saying, oh, don't worry, don't, don't pay any attention to this. <laughs> Having a bit of chair trouble. It's fine. It's, it's, it's good fun. Yeah. It's funny. And then, of course, they crash again, and it's Top of the Ghost. Yes, well, that was my, my nose. Like, oh, they've, they've, they've killed him. Because <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not Top of Driving, it's Mr. Kirby. Yeah. He's again driving like a lunatic, and again suggests that he can't help it. Yeah. He's just, he's just driven, pun not intended. But then maybe that car is just awful. Yeah. <laughs> this whole time, that custom build. Just can't resist putting it in. It just goes at top whack all yeah. the time. Yeah. I put topper, that's an ambulance. Oh, why was that? Yes, that was where I said, I was thinking when you said there shouldn't be a trigger warning, he does want to be dead. Tries to kill himself. When they say Topper, that's an ambulance, he really wanted to be dead. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. Of course. Yeah. Not that he's trying to kill himself. He's just like, I'm not going back. Yeah. I'm not going back. I'm not going back there. Well, because like his character arc and what he goes through, if you'd like, is he's having a miserable time of it yeah. at home. And then the Kirby's come into his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they, he knows them anyway, but they sort of appear in this whirlwind of activity. They go to the meeting and... He gets to sniff her handkerchief, you know, and, and then they're killed, and he's sad about that. And then they reappear, mm. and he, he's bought their he's bought their car. They reappear. His wife thinks he's having an affair. He's driven he's driven to leave home, mm-hmm. and then he's trapped in this hotel with this with Mrs. Kirby. He can't get rid of her. Uh, it, it's, everything has been turned upside down for him. Yeah, and he's he's not a bad soul. I think he's a very likable character yeah mr topper and then then yes then they damn near nearly kill him and he just doesn't want to go back to the mess that his life is in i get it we we meet a nurse and she had a little dracula collar so i wondered what the benefit of a collar was for nurses at that time did you come up with anything so i had a little look into nurses uniforms from the 20s through to the 40s, in case they were behind or ahead of the times. Mm-hmm. I think what's happened is she's been given the full outfit and she's put the hat on as a collar. Wow. Because there's no record anywhere <laughs> that I could find in my small wee hours Googling that had that high-backed collar on it. But it does look a lot like the, the headgear. Yeah, the, the yeah. classic nurse's... Hat thing, yeah. That who knows could be. I can't yeah. think of another reason that they'd stick it on her. No, me neither. But we'll have a. Oh, <laughs> now you've said that, I'm going to have another look at that scene at yes, some point. Yes, she may also be wearing up. a hat. In which case, I don't but, know what happened. Who to knows? Her. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll. Maybe she was hiding a hickey. <laughs> and then the disgusting ending that I hate. You hate the ending. Of course I do, because. The inverted commas bad wife thought that Mr. Topper had cheated and so changed herself to keep him and wore sexy pants. And his response to that is, love me and never question it. Yeah, fair enough. That is <laughs> awful. But there's, because there's a line earlier where 
he is pleading with her a little bit where he's just like we used to go we used to dance we used to have fun when we were younger mm. you know and but then she's just like oh no we, we couldn't we couldn't now yeah not in our position and stuff but that suggests that she wasn't always so like horrifically hidebound we did miss an entire chunk out in which his antics push mrs topper into a higher status yeah the person whose house she wanted to go around and i think that's when i was talking about it should have been written by no no coward mm-hmm. was the woman whose house that she was desperate to get an invite to and she specifically says like now that you've been all over the newspapers we're never no one will ever come here again and will never be invited anywhere yeah. And immediately the person that she cares about, Svalbard or something. Yes, she... it's not that, but it's like Studer... Yeah, Studebaker. But it's not that either. But it's something. It's some Doesn't combination matter. of those two. She comes around right away to say, commiserations, but now you're interesting, you can come round. We just thought you were a boring old bitch. Yeah, we thought you were really dull, but we're having a little soiree and we'd love mm. to see you there. We'd love it. So it changed her life for the better, I guess... But she just did a full Sandra D, and we're all supposed to applaud her for it. And Camp Butler to finish as well, which is odd. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, they have that really strange... Her and the butler have that really strange conversation while Mr Topper is still ruining a perfectly good hotel yeah. with the Kirbys, where he says something very unbutlery where he says like just give him the damn pants or something really odd like that do you remember wear sexy pants to please him yeah and she does a bit of oh wilkins Mm. you know but (laughs) is mega turned on and then tries the pants up against herself bear in mind they are unwashed since they would touch the invisible of (laughs) mrs kirby yeah so (laughs) take that Hayes code Oh, there's a title for the episode. <laughs> either of them, actually. Either of those. Take that, Hayes Code. Yeah, or... <sighs> but yes, the, the Topper couple, Mr and Mrs Topper, are reconciled at the end, as should be. But yes, you're right. Love me and never question it is, is a, little, a little much. It's terrible. Even, even you know, for the... The s- entire message standards. of the film is terrible. <laughs> it really is. Don't drink or have fun or be rich because you'll be punished by God and left in this limbo land until you finally do something good. Also, that good thing does count if you manage to kill a man. <laughs> <laughs> if you manage to kill a man with fun. I mean, they don't quite kill him, but they nearly do. And... P.S. Change everything about yourself to please the person that you're meant to be with, even though you hate each other. I don't think they hate each other. He's just... She clearly despises him. And he wants out. He had his head turned by a hanky. Yeah, but uh, he just wants a bit more fun in his life. Well, he's got it now. He's, he's got, got a woman that wears sexy pants sexy and goes pants. out with the Studebakers or whatever they were called, the Svetlanas. <laughs> I, I, I feel like part of the message of the film is... I I say every time, I mean, I know how it goes now, but on my first watch of the film, I expected the film to cleave more to the idea of respectability, of it the to be more tone. on the side mm. of... The, the toppers as they were yeah. at the start of the film rather than the 
sort of feckless, <laughs> very modern feeling yeah. Kirby's. But but the film seems also to be a celebration of the Kirby's like ridiculous, almost anarchistic attitude to life, where nothing matters and you just do what you want and, and have fun and and very hedonistic sort of yeah. life and death. And it seems to be sort of ultimately saying that's good. I don't Actually. think it's celebrated. They killed them off immediately and then had every other character in the film shame them about what terrible people they were. They're not shamed. They don't anyway. They don't feel shamed from it, but everybody and, else is against them. And they're, well, I think they are... Everybody likes them. No, not everybody likes them. No. The, the bellboy doesn't like them. Nobody but, but likes Mr. them. Topham, they all tolerate them because they're, they've got money. Not just that, though. They're very charming and fun, and Mr Topper is really captivated by them at least at first yes at first i think it should be noted that constance bennett who played mrs kirby was having a right old banger of a terrible time during filming was she her sister was heavily struggling with alcoholism right and constance bennett would frequently turn up late and stressed and snappy with everyone on set and nasty and was really difficult to work with. And it's interesting, one, obviously she's quite a good actress because that she's created chemistry that isn't there. Yeah, because they work well together, yeah. the, the, the two of them, her and Cary Grant. But also I think it might put might be part of the edge that I'm feeling that none of it's sincere. There are people who could have played this so sincerely and made it so much more adorable, I think, and made it so cuddly. And I think... And again, it might not even be a criticism, it might just be an observation that it's not one thing or another, and I know that's why it's annoying me. Fair enough. It's not quite hilarious. It's not quite touching. The characters aren't quite likeable, any of them. And it's it's, it's too uncertain for me. Fair, fair enough. Hmm. It really makes me laugh. Made me laugh this time. Good. Made me laugh last time. I think it's. I do think it's funny. I think it's funnier than you give it credit for. And that's really all it's about. As I say, yeah. like the morality of it is. I think is interesting because it it does the film does seem to go with that they've done their good deed. Yeah. And that they've definitely they've definitely done a good thing, with with Mister Topper and what they've done. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't think I don't think that's at all. A certain thing. <laughs> I've just realised I would have been a hell of a lot kinder to this if it was a stage production. Ah. And not a film. Right. right. Mm. Hmm. I probably would have laughed more. So what What did you want from it that wasn't... What did... What, I know you've, you've sort of said because it I wasn't wanted less, one thing I wanted the other, less time spent on the same joke again and again. <laughs> that it's quite funny that some people can see them and some people can't. Yeah, yeah. Again, I understand and respect that it's quite new at this point. It's not a trope yet. Yeah. It's, you yeah. know. Yeah, and they are playing with the special effects, right? Yeah. A lot of it is a, it's an effects film in a lot of ways, right? And that that is supposed to be enough that yeah. we see stuff moving of its own accord. Yeah, yeah. But how fun would that have been if we'd seen that on stage done with the similar f- yeah. effect? Certainly the... The effect of finding a way, a clever way on stage to have them disappear and become invisible yeah. would have been really lovely to have yeah. one actor just doing all of that physical comedy 
yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it, it was made for stage in some way and hasn't quite translated to screen for me. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I suppose the, the sound film is less than a decade old at yeah. this point. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, they're still working stuff out, I do, I do suppose, is the case. Anything else you want to say about it? It was successful. It was popular. Uh, Roland Young was Oscar nominated for yes. his performance, although weirdly as Best Supporting Actor rather than yep. Best Actor, even though he is in it a lot more than Cary Grant spends a fair amount of the time Invisible. Yes. And isn't in it as much even as Constance Bennett. Mm-hmm. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, didn't win, but then went on to appear in two sequels to this. And normally I sort of like to look at the influence that a film has had. You talked about Beetlejuice, which I haven't mm. seen. That also turns up there's an essay in The Haunted Screen is okay. the is the edited collection, but edited by Murray Leader. And there's an essay in that which talks about the similarities between this and Beetlejuice. Mm. I haven't seen Beetlejuice, so I cannot yeah. uh, speak for it. But it's not one, because usually I talk about the influence on horror cinema since, but this is not a horror film. This is profoundly not no. a horror film. And... As I say, I think the influence that it has, if anything, is in the Hays Code baiting that a lot of it, you, a lot of the use of the ghost and the fact that well, she's mm. dead, if you'd like, is in getting round censorship rules rather than. Yeah, well, I will say Blythe Spirit as well. Of course. It's clearly got a couple of moments. Yeah, and that is written by Noel Coward. It is written by Noel Coward, yeah. yes. And makes me really laugh. I don't think you enjoyed that one as much as I. I, pre- I much prefer Topper. Yes, but I think I think they are, and we, we, I suspect we'll cover Blade Spirit at some mm. point. But I think they are two differing, and transatlantic or transatlantic attempt. But you know, from <laughs> from it's, it's an Ameri- it's a it's an American attempt Different and a British of the attempt. Pond. Yeah. Different. Thank you. That's what I'm going for to try and do a very similar thing. Um, yeah. Very similar in a lot of ways, and uh, yeah, horses for courses in it. Yes. Yes. I think that's about it, though. I'm sorry that you did not like it as much as I did. That's okay. But um, if you, listener, are still with us and you have not yet seen it, it is on YouTube. YouTube Please for free. Have a. You've lost nothing. Mm-hmm. Have a look. I say it. I think it's. I think it's good fun. I'm, I'm not making any great claims for it in terms no. of prof- uh, being profound or um, it, an important film in the way that some of the films that we cover are. No, but, but I want you to do something that was a bit different. Plus, and it's got two nice dogs. It's got some lovely dogs. Yeah. <laughs> it's important. If that's your thing. Right. That's us. That's us, yes. We are going to be changing our schedule for the foreseeable because Ben is a busy human and we're no longer in lockdown for now. But. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we go back into lockdown. <laughs> it will go right back again but for now we're going to go every two weeks to give both of us some time to prepare between episodes again it may change we may just find that weekly suits fine but while shifts and changes are happening we're going to go for the two weeker so we will be having a break next week and then reconvening the following week to record the next episode is going to be The Exorcist yep no? Yes, no, I, I liked yeah, it. Yeah, you just, just did a wanna... face. Oh, I'm sorry. I just didn't want to interrupt your beautiful Mike Oldfield Yeah, Mike Oldfield on there. the mouth hole. On the mouth hole, mm. oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, moon. 
The Exorcist really is an important film in the way that Topper isn't. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the Exorcist really is doing several things very clearly that Topper definitely isn't. But uh, it's also not very funny unless you're deeply childhood wounded like me. Yeah, it's not funny. But it is very, very good. Mm. And I came to it late. I didn't see it until you showed it to me. I saw it very late as well. It was not one of my teenage ones. It was one that I'd always seen memed and I'd always seen parodied. And yeah, probably three years ago, four years ago was the first time I saw it. So yeah, right up there with you. And then I saw it twice in a week because I got the person I was living with at the time to watch it as well. So uh, we're going to make you watch it now. as Well, Well, no, we're not. But if it's at all of interest... (laughs) Please watch it. It'll change your life. It is. I mean, it is a a great bit of cinema and... Mm. There's much been said about it, but we're going to say a little bit more. Yes. And join us for that. All right, then. I will. Not you. You don't want me there. (laughs) I do want you there. Ben's doing a solo project now. Oh, no. (laughs) I was talking to the listener out there in Radioland. Oh. Bye, listener. Okay, bye. Oh, bye. Have fun. Bye. Okay, bye. Is that where you're going to put the music? (laughs) Tempting, isn't it? Jam hot. Oh, I'm going to be busy with my editing scissors. (laughs) All these things that you can show me, darling. Watch it. Yes, thank you. (laughs) It's up there. I've shown you now.